shucks, howdy, and welcome back to Sudden But Inevitable, the sci-fi rewatch podcast dedicated to single-season space westerns that were canceled mercilessly before their time. I, of course, am your host, Vanilla Husband, a.k.a. Captain Bootscoot, a.k.a. Jesse. And with me, as always, to help steer the ship that is sudden but inevitable is my very longtime friend and wonderful co-host, Josh. Josh, welcome back to Sudden But Inevitable. How are you doing this week? I'm doing great. That's a, that's about it. I'm actually doing really great because this is one of my, my favorite episodes. <laughs> Spoiler alert! Just saying. Okay, okay. <laughs> I want to say... Really quickly, good morning, hello, good evening to the people in the live chat. Those people include Rona, those people include Callie, those people include John T. Bolds, our friend Mal is here. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for being with us live in the chat at Sudden But Inevitable. I can't tell you how much that means to us every week. Speaking of things that mean a lot to us every week in our life, the next person that we have to introduce you to, of course, is Ricky D. from Best Flicks with Ricky D. Ricky D. from Best Flicks with Ricky D. Welcome back to the show. How's your Friday, man? Glad it's Friday, ready for it to be over. Got a couple more hours of podcasting, and then it's on relaxation time. Ooh, yeah. If I may, really quickly, uh, what have you been watching this week to relax, my friend? I finished up Entourage, which I don't like to admit. Um, Entourage. Yeah. Been a, I just started Entourage a few weeks ago, and I fell in love with it. I just started Peacemaker Yeah. Uh, under Jesse here, under Jesse's advice. Uh, I watched the Suicide Squad movie. I loved the Suicide Squad movie. I'm two episodes into Peacemaker. It's I'm definitely going to finish the series, but it's it isn't capturing me quite the way the Suicide Squad did. But I'm only two episodes in. Uh, I love Eagly, of course, and I'm ready to see more. <laughs> I really can you like do that. me over, Ricky, and watch Daredevil when you get a chance? If you haven't, probably not. No, I'm not even kidding, though, man. <laughs> like that show. If you want something that's like gritty and good superhero and like down to earth kind of stuff like you that's not what he wants at all <laughs> what are you it's ricky d man i know but oh, but it's just so good that's what i've been watching I, so i'm sure it is just, oh, just, josh like, can we just be excited <laughs> that ricky d is watching peacemaker come on yes uh, the suicide squad yeah and the suicide squad he watched it and liked it like that's that's huge okay that's the first I'm... superhero movie i've seen since guardians of the galaxy i'm pretty sure oh interesting. Ah, james gunn fan i see there's a connective but thread here i just i i feel like because of that i i just want ricky to branch out a, a little bit more and daredevil is Look. probably the best marvel series like as far as yeah, probably. For the casual viewer. <laughs> I, I have to agree with our friend John T. Bolds in the chat. Affleck was the bomb in Daredevil. Good point, Josh. So I think at this point, the only way to move forward in a healthy manner is to go ahead and introduce this week's guest for Sudden But Inevitable. I would say that this week's He'll guest agree with is, me. is somebody that you will all be very happy to see. It's somebody who's been here before at least one other time. And of course, I am referring to our very good friend, Sean, the host of Cheap Seat Reviews, the podcast that explores the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. Sean, welcome back to Sudden But Inevitable. How is your Friday? Hey, thanks for having me back. This is great. My Friday is fine. It's good. It's the end of the week, and it's good. I'm sensing a theme here amongst you gentlemen. The end of the week is not the time to ask you how your week was, but I must My week has been good. I just have a lot of stuff that I'm planning 
that just I just there's a lot of stuff going through the brain. So I'm, I'm very happy to be here to talk about this stuff that's not about, you know. I 100% agree with you, Josh. The whole uh, planning and thinking and, you know, trying outside of podcasts is a difficult thing. And when we are here, I feel like it's so much easier to just focus on the fun things in our days. Speaking of, I feel like I should give Sean a an opportunity to answer the same question that I asked Ricky. Sean, what have you been watching this week, my friend? Outside of Cowboy Bebop, of course. Well, um... I think uh, we notoriously live tweeted uh, two episodes of <laughs> Neon Genesis. How do you pronounce that word? Evan Evangelion. Evangelion. Okay, yeah. it looks like evangelical, but it's obviously not. Um, it looks like any number of words that it is not pronounced like. I 100 yeah. agree. <laughs> yeah, Eva. We watched Eva. Uh, yes. So you and I watched a couple episodes of that Sunday, which was a lot of fun. Oh man! And then I watched one more episode of that along with. Uh, a couple episodes of Cowboy Bebop, and oh, what else did I watch this week? Gosh, I can't remember. <laughs> oh, I watched an episode of Chernobyl with my wife. Oh, there you go. I've heard great things. I need to watch that one. Oh, it's good. It's it's really good. It's um, I'll, I'll it, no spoilers. It's nothing to spoil, right? It's history. Like just yeah. read a book, you'll know what happened. But, like, <laughs> Wrong show um, for that. Wrong show for that, Sean. Wrong show. I know. I know. <laughs> but. Uh, no, the show is really well made. It's so good, and the acting is really good. And the two things that really struck uh, stuck out to me is one: not all the actors are Russian. Almost none of them are. A lot of them are British, and they don't make them do fake Russian accents. They just tell them to just act, and you don't care that right. you know what I'm saying. Like it just it trying to listen to a fake Russian just makes it sound bad. So just let the guy talk in his, in his normal voice and it's awesome. So yeah, go watch it and be amazed that this country nearly beat us in a cold war. Our, <laughs> that's a good point. Our uh, very good friend in the chat, Rona says it is Greek for gospel. So the same Greek root as evangelical evangelical. Yes. Uh, the series uh, Rona has a lot of imagery from a lot of different philosophical and theological places uh, kind of, mixed together for um, certain different effects at certain different times. Um, I actually have also been watching a lot of Evangelion, so I'm on episode 21 now since Sean and I watched the first two episodes. So um, I feel that it's a series you have to binge when you watch it for a couple of reasons, um, not the least of which being that really like starts to alter your perception of... like time and stuff and i think that that's helpful um for a watch through of evangelion personally um but yeah it sounds like you've had a lot on your plate to watch this week sean and if the good folks out there are not aware what is the most recent film that you covered over at cheap seat reviews well we just finished um the lord of the rings trilogy uh for the for the show so the month of february has been lord of the rings uh and then last night we capped it off with a a another two-hour episode where we did a deep dive into the music of Howard Shore. So um, we did a real deep dive. I mean, we discussed things that I didn't, I didn't know anything about. It was one of those episodes where I talked for about thirty percent of the time, and I just let our guest just take I over because because he's just so much smarter than anyone that I know in this field in this, wow, in this oh. thing. Gotcha. No, in no, no, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah. 
Are you gonna do a? Are you gonna do a Hobbit series? You can do them Hobbit movies. So <laughs> I right along. So yeah. You... <laughs> no, seriously, we were asked to by Cameron. I think Cameron wanted Cam- us to. Yes. And I I can't sell it to the other guys in the on our show. Like they they already flat out said no, they won't do it. They're upset. Yeah. I would be really excited to come talk about the animated Hobbit movie with you personally. Um, yeah, if it's ever streaming, it we'd I be believe, down for that. I believe Cameron mentioned that as well. I think there's almost no chance that it will ever be streaming, but <laughs> gentlemen. It might on Amazon eventually, since Amazon owns them. Lest might. we be accused of some sort of rambling digression, which I don't know how you could feel that way. Why don't we... Wrap everything back into what we're doing this week, of course, which is talk to the chat more and maybe to talk about <laughs> live action Cowboy Bebop. Actually, yeah, let's check in with the chat. How are you doing in the chat? We got a no, I'm just kidding. Uh, we love you in the chat. Thank you for being here this week. We're here to talk about the live action Cowboy Bebop series season one. Yeah, I said it because we're going to hashtag save Cowboy Bebop and get hashtag more Bebop. Episode 8, which is called Sad Clown A Go-Go. Now, this episode is... Oh, I don't even there. There's no way to describe this episode quickly. I don't think. Um, but Josh, I know that you're like super, super jacked to talk about this episode. So I'm just gonna let you start us off. So like at the beginning of this episode, right? Just, just start us off. How are you feeling at the start of this episode? Were like, what do you do when the when you start to realize what's going on? Right? Like, oh, this is gonna be a Piero Lafou episode. How did you feel when that realization hit you? Well, I was really excited because, first of all, this, my background, I don't know if you guys know this, but if you watch season two of Sudden But Inevitable, my background is actually my shot of the show for episode 20 of uh, Cowboy Bebop, which would have been, I think, 10, I think, of our actual season. Probably, If we yes. cut it down into two two parts. But um, so Pierre was like my favorite villain out of that whole series. And so... I was super excited to see him come back. Um, but like immediately I noticed differences between the anime and the live action. And it like, they did it in such a good, good way. Like instead of him hating cats, he hates dogs. And that comes into play later, which you, you find out, but like, it's all like plot point stuff that I really, really enjoyed. And even like the way that they introduce him to the bebop crew was different but the same kind of you know like in the anime he because and listen i wouldn't last yesterday i watched this episode probably four times and every time i watched it i went and watched the anime right after because i wanted to see like what was you know different what was the same and so there was a lot that was different but there was a lot that was the same to to go as like as far as like just some of the shots like the shadow of pierre in the anime they bring that into this one um but i think they did a really good job but i also i think they did a good job incorporating pierre into this particular storyline yep um, you are and, speaking exactly what the chat is saying. Our friend Philip Krogmeyer just showed up and said, I love their way of connecting him to the events that yes. had already taken place in the live action. That's literally what you're saying. It's it's it was, nearly perfect. It was brilliant. Like the, the writers yeah. did a great job in being like, well, this is an awesome villain from the, the original, and we got to find a way to bring him in. And they did it in such a good way that they, they tweaked a couple little things, remix, but <laughs> they did it in, in a really just fantastic fantastic way so 
I can't I can't say enough about this episode. It's it is definitely I know I teased it on Twitter earlier today. It, I'm pretty sure it is my favorite of this entire season. We will dive all the way in really quickly. I got to say, if you're listening to this in a podcast form or you're out there in the live chat and you're going, okay, now I want to hear their coverage of the anime version of this episode, go back into the feed for Sudden But Inevitable and look for an episode called Penguin Joker Tallyman. We're pretty proud of that one. <laughs> yes, um, that's right. That's it's right. <laughs> it's a very fun episode. Ricky D, go ahead, my friend. Yeah, Josh was talking about the differences between uh, Piero in the live action, the anime one. And the first thing that I noticed was in the anime, he kind of looked like Dr. Robotnik or Eggman yeah. from uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, but he was dressed up like the Monopoly man. <laughs> uh, and when we got to see Piero in the live action, my first thought was, that doesn't look like him. But then I had to kind of slow down and reel everything back. And it was kind of like the same thing a lot of people have said about Faye. Yes. You know, it, you can't copy that kind of animated body style. So I had this weird moment. Oh, man, he doesn't look as cool. He just he isn't invoking that what I want to. But then I'm just like, wait, hold up, calm down, pay attention to the storyline, give the aesthetics a break, let him be a human. And let's let's see where this goes. And then he did the grinding of the teeth thing. And you were like, oh, that's him. Yep. It was <laughs> I, ladies and gentlemen, the emperors in the audience, I have to say, Ricky D being the adult and teaching us how to watch television is not something that I had anticipated at the start of this season. Now, speaking of adults, Sean, my friend, I got to ask you. Yeah. What is your experience with the original Cowboy Bebop series? And in, you know, is there an experience to speak on? And beyond that, uh, what were your uh, first uh, reactions when you heard there was going to be a live action Cowboy Bebop series? Sure. So the one and only time that I watched the anime was uh, 2012. Uh, a coworker, I was working at the theme park at the time uh, here in Charlotte, and the coworker said, hey, I have this show. You will like it. I'm like, okay. So we watched it on our lunch breaks. We would watch uh, a 30-minute episode on our lunch break. And we did that over the course of the summer, and and I had a I had a blast with it. I really liked it. I had a good time with it. But it was so long ago. I don't remember a lot of it. So when I heard that they were going to do a live action, I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's I'm down for it. I'm I'm down for whatever. Right? If you want to make a live action version of whatever, I'm down for it. I'm always interested in seeing what other people's visions are of an existing property. And the, when I got excited was when they announced that John Cho was going to be cast as the lead. And I'm like, oh, Sulu is going to be in this. I'm down for that because he's great in those Star Trek uh, movies, those those three new ones. And and it also, I can say that now, and then I don't have to do the uh, Star Trek connection later on. I can just say it now. So he's obviously the Star Trek connection. I do that in, in our episode, in our show, each week. So, so I was super excited for it. So I don't have... I mean, the, the the anime is fresh in the three of your minds because you just watched it. You just did a podcast on it. I have not listened to your show because I haven't watched the, the I know. But, Jesse, we've talked about it. I know. I, wanted I to, know. It I wasn't wanted available, to, and now it, it is. So you're going to watch it, it and listen, and I love you, and everything's fine. Go ahead. I have no yes. judgments either way. You don't have to. I do. <laughs> <laughs> All of the things. All of the emotions. Jesse yelled at me on Twitter for a few minutes when I told him that. I don't, you know, because I, I didn't have access to it, but now I do. Um, uh, I was also, uh, uh, yeah, anyway, I'm not going to tell that story. 
so I will say this is that I, I was very excited for this and I um, was watching this. I think I was like an episode or two behind like Jesse and Cam, like we were chatting back and forth and specifically like last episode that you guys did last week um, when we were talking about, we were, we were tweeting back and forth about the, um, you know, Jet getting to watch his, his daughter's uh, recital. And like you guys were so relieved that it wasn't interrupted. Yeah, and I, like that's what we were. All three of us were like, "Yes, thank you, show, <laughs> for not ruining this thing because, you know, that would have been yeah. uh, you know dreadful." And Josh and Ricky were both immediately like, "Man, I hate kids, and I don't care if her recital gets ruined." Gross. I remember that was what happened next. <laughs> well, I but, listened to that episode today, so yeah, you're, yeah, you're not wrong. yeah. I mean, that's essentially what happened. So. Like, we hate kids, and so we don't have. See, he kids. said it again. And, and, oh. Uh, no, I, it's, we don't it's, have that same connection in that. Like, I yeah. know, I promise you, I'm just, I was playing. more like and Spike's getting his ass kicked out there. Jet, come on. The- yeah, Spike's fine. He's a big boy. He'll be all right. <laughs> I mean, like I'm the dad that's the, um, my, my son's going to be in the uh, elementary version of Aladdin. So I'm the tech director for that show because yes. I want to make sure, because he goes to a school where no one there knows how to do tech. You're so my I, dad. I, You're my dad. When I was a kid. <laughs> Like yeah. no joke, my dad. So when I was a kid, my I had a, I was in honor band. You are right? the father. I was in honor band, and my dad insisted on doing the recordings of our honor band. Like he went to my director and was like, "Listen, I am recording, and you can have a copy for fifty bucks." <laughs> wow. No, no, he didn't do that, but uh, but he did do all the sound for like everything that I ever did, as far as like music or like plays or whatever he would always be there running the sound that's good that's a good yeah. thing and and that probably means that your school sounded better than 90 percent of schools and like every Absolutely. event was solid honestly yeah, like for yeah sure. so yeah you did it for our middle school sorry i didn't mean to give that away but i mean wow dude way to just dox everybody on the screen why don't you uh sean's personal address and social security number are one one seven four four. so um <laughs> Somebody reel me back here. So we've got, oh, okay, you guys. I gotta say, so, so Sean, yeah, not not having the anime fresh in your mind, okay, yeah. and not having some sort of like, and I'm not saying this to disparage the people in the chat that might take this to mean that I am disparaging them or the listeners, um, but you don't have some kind of weird dogmatic adherence to what happened in the original 26 episodes and how that needs to be translated. So I got to ask, how do you feel about the character of Vicious? Yeah. So it's really interesting hearing you guys talk about it because um, you obviously travel in circles that I don't because it feels like every week the three of you or one of the three of you say, yeah, I hear that people say this about it. I don't hear anything other than what Jesse tells me, honestly. I just yeah. apparently I don't travel in those circles, which is fine. So vicious to me, this is fine. He's he's a he's a bad guy. He's a cartoon character bad guy. But I I don't I you know hashtag not my vicious. I don't have an allegiance to the other guy. And the same thing with Faye. I love this Faye because I don't have a a love affair with the other one. So I'm I'm actually probably to the point that if I go back and watch the anime. I might be kind of annoyed with some of the those those other characters. I'm like, because I hear you, you know talk about Faye. It's like Faye's not doing enough. I want her to be sassy like she is in the show or, or whatever. I just I don't know. So no, I don't have 
like I'm you know, like I kind of went into this because I wanted to talk about because your this season is about this show, this series. So I really wanted to focus on this episode yeah. that we can talk about this thing. And it's the same thing on our show. Whenever we watch a movie that's based on a book, it's gonna happen. We are gonna mention the book. You have to, try yeah. to we try to to review what's in front of us. Yeah. So to that point, I this is one of my favorite episodes of live action vicious because Live Action Vicious has been like plotting and being sniveling like kind of to the side and like he's been evil but he's been evil in kind of an archway like kind of yeah right and it's it's like can you just be can I just see you be to use the term vicious right can I see some action from you can I see you pull something off that isn't being whiny or like you know choking your wife like do something and I will be honest with you guys, the first time through, I was like, they killed Vicious. Like, uh-huh. yeah. I can't believe they killed him. Like, I knew they were going to set this up to be different, but I can't believe they killed him. And, of course, it turns out they pulled a total Mission Impossible 2 with Ethan Hunt running around the corner and pulling the mask off while the doves fly away behind him. And it turns out that Doug Ray Scott, I think, just shot his own henchman instead of Tom Cruise. So it's like there's this moment where they do the face hollow thing, which it's like, you guys, how did we forget about the face hollow thing? They've had it in like three or four episodes up to this point. Like, but that was like how did... the best fake out of this whole yeah. show. Like, yeah, because even even the first time watching yesterday, I was like, oh, shit, I forgot. Oh, no, they didn't. What happened here? Yeah. Hang on. You're like, wait, <laughs> we haven't been to the church yet. Yeah. yeah, my yeah. notes are all kinds of confused at that point. I go, "Oh, did Vicious actually die? Is is this not the plan? What happened here?" Yeah. And it all kind of resolves itself. Well, and because Ricky D keeps physical notes, there's a bunch of like eraser markings on that page and stuff. Just when things scratching happening. it out. Yeah, and yes, Phil was able to uh, much more concisely say what I was trying to say. Let's see, Vicious lift up, live up to that name, because at this point we have seen Spike be fearless but we've mostly just seen vicious be um the beneficiary of nepotism which is not as cool of an assassin name so i understand why why he wouldn't go with that yeah um but it works so well because the eunuch as vicious right is like really actually freaking the f out because he's like i can't believe you actually got me and i'm looking up at you right now pretending to be me like wow I'm so freaking out right. It was just like very masterfully executed. The disdain with which Mao speaks to the eunuch when she thinks he's vicious is so delicious. I didn't mean to make that rhyme, but ladies and gentlemen, that's my time. Josh, what do you got? I was just going to make a band name. <laughs> oh, oh, delicious, okay. vicious. What's up, Denver? <laughs> what delicious, vicious. Um, no, so uh, first of all, I I got a couple Star Wars vibes in this uh, in this episode, which is great. Um, but hear me out; just f- don't look at me like that. First, first Star Wars vibe is when uh, Julia is looking at Vicious as he's leaving, and she's like all sad and stuff. And Vicious is like, "Don't don't worry about me." Like that was such a freaking Padme Anakin moment. Wait a minute, super cheesy. I have to interject and ask, does that mean that you think 
that the last time Anakin went somewhere without Padme, she was actually hoping, I hope he dies and doesn't come back. Because that's what Julia was thinking. <laughs> Maybe. But second second thing, which also will wrap me back around to Cheap Seat Reviews. Um, John Noble played dude. Vicious's dad. John Noble also plays the dude that eats freaking tomatoes like a madman in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So he's very creepy. But to further my second Star Wars point, John Noble does a very good Emperor Palpatine. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's very condescending and uh, rickety. I, I got, and I got nothing but palp looking. vibes for that, that whole scene. Like, you disappoint me, boy. I mean, like, mm. to your point, though, and to tie it back into Sean's show, to me, that's also just Denethor. Like, yeah. tell me, Father, do you wish that I had died? And sure, your head lives? Sure, yes, I wish sure. it. Like, it, it does kind of feel like John Noble's lot in life is just to play a disappointing father kind of yeah. thing. Because, like, even in the TV show Fringe, which I know him from, he's also kind of a bad dad to, um, I can't remember his real name, Pacey okay, from the show. Kind of a bad dad? You I think mean, he's kind of a bad dad in this? <laughs> Well, no, not in this. This is he's a oh, terrible okay. father. I'm saying okay. in, in Fringe, he's kind of a, like he starts off as a terrible father, and then the story arc, they get closer and whatever. But, but he's still kind of insane a little bit in that show too. And of yeah. course, in Lord in Return of the King, he's like the worst kind of father because he only loves one of his children. So yeah, Dude, cherry tomato popping daddy. Toma- the way he eats tomatoes just really. Well, and it's not even just tomatoes because like he's it's like eating the way like, that. You- it's testicles. It just rubs me the wrong way, man. <laughs> Not the same character, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Josh, could you imagine? Think about it this way, though. When Denethor, as I said, and I think you may have talked over me calling him a tomato cherry pop and daddy. No, I, I heard that. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm... I just wanted to make sure that everybody heard it because <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, cherry tomato damn it i said it backwards anyways the if 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 when the eunuch had bit into his uh, particular snack if it had like dribbled out over his chin the way that the tomato does for denethor i bet you would have stopped watching the series <laughs> testy am right juice am i right i mean what's up do you think those juice? are pickled testicles they did seem sort they of pickled. pickled like have you guys ever had pickled eggs mm-hmm. yes yeah. they're no. good dude Pickled eggs are good. You should try. I mean, go to a bar and try some pickled eggs. It's probably a mountain thing, Sean. (laughs) I think the eunuch pickles his testicles. I think he does, but I don't know that pickled eggs are a mountain thing. I bet he makes his testicles in many different ways, Ricky. He's called the eunuch. He's known for eating testicles. There's more than one way to skin a cat. He probably fries them up. He probably batters them in some beer batter, throws them in a deep fryer. Mm, These testicles are delicious. You guys, as I recently learned... There are two plots-ish per episode, right? Right now, we're still talking about the vicious plot, and I feel like maybe let's just stick with that, and then we can talk about the other half of this episode, right? We can sort of just sort of break it in half like that. As far as this vicious plot is concerned with Mao and the Syndicate and Julia and all this stuff, I really feel like the thing about this is that even though Vicious wins in this scene... He comes out on top. He lives. The eunuch dies. Mao dies. All three of the elders get killed. Vicious comes out victorious. He still does not get his sweet moment, right? He's like, okay, old man, give me my sweet moment. How how do you like me now? And the old man's like, 
dude, you suck, and then dies. <laughs> and then he goes over to Mao, and he's like, okay, Mao, did you really think you could beat me? Like, what's your problem? And she's like, oh, tell your wife, I'm sorry I couldn't kill you. And he's like, really? Come on. Like, can I not just have one delicious moment? <laughs> like, it's, it's yeah, it reminded me of... It reminded me of that episode of The Office, but it 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 also made me think: Is this like as close to sympathetic as we'll ever get for Vicious? Right, where it's like, even when you succeed, man, you don't succeed all the way, <laughs> and there's like these crappy little details, which of course, obviously, he brought upon himself. Right, clearly brought upon himself. I'm just glad that this series came out all at the same time, because having oh, to not. wait a full week between like. That would have would have sucked, you know. I, and I get it. I, mm, I do like the series, the, though. Yeah, you're probably right. I do like the episodic week by week thing that we do as well. And it, like, right now, I'm like, I don't even remember how this how this really ends. Like, I have a vague yeah. idea, but I don't have all the you know main story points. I don't remember those. So, like, if we ended it right now, like, if this was the season finale, that would be awesome. Like what an amazing cliffhanger this episode would be, you know, because yeah. because you have vicious learning that he was being what triple timed the whole time. <laughs> like he's not even I mean, he was looking to betray all sorts of people like that was that was the it's, biggest James Bond betrayal moment ever. Like, but he, <laughs> really, really, he knew all that from the start and he accounted for all of it except, except for, Julia. for Julia, which is the freaking wild card of the situation yeah but now that she's been ousted like what a great way to end that episode where he comes in maniacally holding mao's head and julia's like oh sh oh shit yeah <laughs> sean what do you got two two quick things well not two quick things one quick thing and one not quick thing the quick thing <laughs> is when he throws her head into the fire like ew yeah. Hey, burning yeah. hair and then flesh like that's that whole room is gonna stink for to hell for and there was a there was weeks. a bit of a open to my life a splash to like a yeah it was gross um yeah yeah somebody Netflix offset loves their offset. splashes yeah somebody punched <laughs> a watermelon splurches. uh the other thing though that i found interesting when i was watching it this time was that and you have to correct me because you guys have watched the series more closely than i have recently and that is, has Vicious shown? Yeah, it's a beautiful mug. Has uh, my, my hoodie? Has uh, has Vicious shown any sign of being that good at fighting? In so in, like in this series, no, arguably no. He what we have seen him do is shoot people, which doesn't really take a lot of effort. Yeah, he and shot actually, a bunch of people that were blindfolded, blind and deaf, and yeah. and so it's like, okay, well that's you know not to use the term but that's an easy target um but he i mean it's the difference between this vicious and the vicious in the anime is that spike is is all about you know one-on-oneing and whooping people in the anime in in uh close quarters combat right that's totally cool but what they've done here is instead of showing you right away that vicious because in the anime you could argue like yeah he's crazy but the first thing he does in the anime is like kill an old guy from behind with a sword which is like 
equally not a difficult thing to do. <laughs> now, it's in a room full of security, so that's kind of a big deal, but, you know, it's Im- it's implied in the series that he's a, a capo, just like he is in this series anyway. So, I don't know. It's sort of like, to answer your question, no, I don't think that up to this point he has been shown to be a badass. And I think that's part of the point of this character, is because, you know, or part of what my issue with the complaints around it are is that in the in the anime it's the same way we don't know that he's a badass we see him show up and threaten spike a few times and that spike takes those threats seriously but he also just you know points a gun at him or no no he's got his sword out but then his friend shoots spike it's just he has an imposing menacing atmosphere about him in the anime he doesn't actually do a bunch more actions necessarily like significantly more actions than he does up to this rough same point in the story in the anime as he does in the live action. There wasn't as much story as for vicious in the anime. For vicious at all. Like that's, I remember that being one of my biggest like wants in the anime was I want more vicious. I want to see more of what he does. So what they do here instead is they go vicious. Well, right. But instead of him, immediately going okay then i'll fight i'll fight him myself right he goes let me just see if i can deal with this some other way which is how i would be used to as a daddy's boy right like as somebody who has a lot of resources and you know had an easy upbringing in the crime world he would go <laughs> let's just send a bunch of assassins after that guy and like maybe that'll be enough but we have to assume that just by his station he has to have had some level of respect even if it's even if people know that he is there because of nepotism right like those two lieutenant people that follow him around they are terrified of him for most of the series they're like just tell him he's not going to kill us it'll be fine where it's like yeah but some of the times when people tell him stuff he does kill them so like that first guy that told him fearless was alive he killed that guy so it's like yeah it's it's fair to wonder but i think in live action, we actually have more of an inkling that he might be some kind of badass before we see this moment. And then to that point, it's not like he like takes no hits, right? It's not that he just walks out of there unscathed. He gets stabbed, he gets hit, he spills some serious blood. But he believes in what he is doing. He feels justified. He's, you know, taken shit from his dad his whole life, and he is finally ready to give it back. And I... And yes, to Phil's point, we see way more of the henchman action in the anime. And that's like the guys that he hired, the, the I can't remember their names, Shin and Lin, I think. I don't remember the brothers' names. But there's, you know, his his um, like guards, I guess. Yeah, his henchmen are more active in the original series. But I got to say, if you want to talk about Star Wars parallels, Josh, how about The Last Jedi Throne Room? And the big red and black fight scene with swords and silhouettes. Yeah, I only wanted to do the two. Like I could I could probably point out a few other Star Wars connections. But <laughs> but yes, that was another really good one. And just all the dead bodies laying around. It's a pretty good scene. Yeah. Phil makes a very salient point here. The biggest sign that he's a badass in the anime is the fact that he carries a sword when everyone else uses guns. And it's a little tropey and it's a little thin. I mean we forgive it because it's also very badass in the anime, right? It is just cool. Like the character in Mushroom Samba who's carrying around a coffin. That's stupid, but it's also cool. Like, it's fine, dude. It's a freaking space western. There's going to be stuff like that. But yeah, I think that's a very, very good point, Phil. So 
Sean, what did you think of this uh, this double or whatever Josh called it the triple layered uh, betrayal sandwich here, where Vicious goes in the first time you watch? Were you convinced that Vicious was dead? No, I knew there was going to be some kind of thing. I just didn't know what it was until they do the you know the Mission Impossible mask reveal. And in the moment, the first time I watched it, my first thought was in this future where we have some kind of we have some future tech and some old tech which i love the pairing of the old and the new like the apple 2e's are running this program that we use to slice dna with dogs and people but but like we have the technology to make our face and body types different because like those two guys are different not just in their faces but their hands and you know their body sizes are different but uh whatever it's fine you know it's face off you know just because you put your face, you know, they're, they're different body shapes, but not the point. Like, if you're going to bring someone into a room with the elders, you don't have some way of checking that that's the real person. Uh, right. I mean, okay. You know, I, I know that I know the purpose had to, I know the thing had to happen the way that they yeah, had but you to happen. say the same thing in Mission Impossible. Come on. No, but, but we don't have the technology now, unless you want to do a DNA but, test instantly. Right. You know saying? Like, right. But, but to the, to answer the question in like a, uh, 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 diegetic way, I think is the right word. Sounds um, fine. It's <laughs> it's that the elders are just steeped in years of of hubris, right? They're like, no, they're super arrogant. I get. We that. live up on this in this like one room badass temple on a castle in the middle of a of a canyon in Mars, like nowhere else around them is terraformed they they must have some level of cockiness and no one can touch us and you know arrogance and that has bled into vicious himself and i think that that's you know part of what leads to his downfall yeah but it's not an unfair question to ask and the answer that i gave is probably not something that was necessarily intended right we're supposed to not think about that because we're supposed to be in on the <gasps> moment right and yeah. and i was honestly the first time cuz i get really uh over immersed i think i or or i i suspend the f out of my disbelief sure. Again, i'm not i'm not mad at the moment it's just something i picked up on and philip you I, I i get your point what you're saying here but like i guess my point is that if this technology exists then you would have to have a countermeasure you would make them walk through an emp field before you had them walk into the room and but again, to Jesse's point, and I, I'm and I'm totally fine with the lore of this. Don't make me sound like I'm I'm not trying to sound like I'm no, I... in the episode. It's just <laughs> like it just seems like one of those things where it's it was convenient that the bad guys were really bad at being bad guys. You know, yes. I mean, it's not just the fact that they allowed them to to come into the room, you know, mixed up, but also. Like there was not one gun in that room. Like there's all, all those other things. But again, right. But like like you said, tradition. Tradition dictates that there are no firearms in the room with the elders. And because... actually, in the anime, that specifically is stated. They go because you can't bring guns into that room, they're gonna feel totally safe, and you can't bring weapons in. I'll be holding your sword, that kind of a thing. And to be totally fair, to your point, that's not in this series. That's in the anime. But um, what Phil had mentioned earlier was that. The scanners could, there could be scanners, and they could have picked up that Vicious, the eunuch, and Mal were all there, but not necessarily that the two of them had switched places. And honestly, Phil, that's like a Star Trek level explanation, and I'm super proud of it, and we're going with it. That's canon. I don't care what anybody else says. And there would be options to counter that, as he's saying. But yeah, I just, I think that they, as the heads of an interplanetary crime syndicate, man, they're super arrogant. Ricky D, what do you got, my friend? 
Well, I'm just trying to figure out if Vicious killed all of the heads of the syndicate in this episode. Does that make Vicious kind of a good guy? Well, I, uh, Josh, go ahead. No. I mean, his, <laughs> his whole agree, plan Josh. was to kill them to become like a corrupt leader. Like he's already yeah. corrupt in the fact that he makes red eye. Well, he did. He killed everyone that made his red eye. And now he's going to now go find more people to blind and then make red eye for him as a syndicate. Leader. Nah, nah, it's all for bad. It's it's all it's all some. Is he possibly yeah. a lesser evil? No. It, so I think. I think. Well, point, I think though, now he is made by the end, and it's hard to with without giving too much away. By the end, he has made someone else a higher evil, which makes him yes, maybe a lesser evil because you know, like but by he's the, not. But at but this point, no. Intent. Yeah, that's not his intent. And right. at this point in the series, sticking just to this episode, the no. his goal is his goal is I'm gonna take over and just run shit the same way like he's he is what i think is going on that's how it feels probably with a little more malice yeah, yeah maybe go ahead sean I, i'm looking at it as the the elders were evil but there was a balance right like like you mm. knew what they were right they were um they're okay this is a bad example but this is what i can think of they're russia right like you know where they are and you know where they stand, right? And it's the known evil versus the unknown evil. Right. And Vicious comes in and you don't know what the F he is. I don't know what the example is in today's society right now, but like he is North Korea. Okay, he's North Korea, but North Korea just somehow invaded Russia and took out whatever and is now has a nuclear crazy. arsenal. They crazy. Yeah, better better the devil that you know than the devil that you don't know exactly um which is basically so. <laughs> american foreign policy in the middle east um, oh my God. at all but yeah go ahead no that's it i'm just I, and i apologize i don't i don't i didn't mean to to keep us in this place for for this long because i feel like there's way more fun stuff to talk about in this episode <laughs> about this dumb not dumb but like this one nitpick that i had so let's it's important that nerds be allowed to nitpick the things that they love, Sean, because that is how we show our love, I think, some of us. I mean, I know that that is some of us, how we show our love. Sure. Particularly Trekkies and the Star Wars fans, dude. Like, that's what we're known for. So. You guys notice my straw mixes in with the green screen? That's fun. Don't ever... <laughs> it's like Josh is drinking out of a ghost. That's crazy. <laughs> Ricky D, I feel like we, we may have been steamrolling you, man. Is there anything you feel like in the vicious plot line that you'd like to talk about that we haven't talked about up to this point? Not so much in the vicious plot line, but I am excited to get over to the other side of things. Absolutely. So we have the main crew of the Bebop this week is dealing with the aforementioned Piero LeFou. Uh, it, it does tie into the Vicious plot because Vicious says, okay, I need to throw somebody else at this guy, at Fearless. I need another assassin that I can hire. I need somebody else that I can put on this task that isn't me because I have other important things to do. If we didn't nitpick, these podcasts would be 10 minutes long instead of two hours is what our friend Rona says. And if that were the case, our friend Sincera would be upset because then we wouldn't be able to help him get through his commute at all. Shout out I'd be to pretty Sincera. psyched. Well, yeah, but you're not a listener, so... Okay, well, if you want 10-minute <laughs> so, episodes, go listen to Best Flicks with Ricky D. <laughs> <laughs> 
back to the tie-in to the Vicious plot. Vicious needs somebody to go after Fearless, and Vicious knows that it needs to be somebody crazy. And he goes and finds the craziest person that the syndicate has access to. The doctor warns him, don't do it. He's a loose cannon. There's no reason you should do this. And Vicious says, sounds like my kind of guy. And Phil had mentioned earlier in the live chat that he really likes that we tied Piero into events that have already taken place in the live action. We know that there was a war, that some people were a part of it. We hear now that Piero was part of that. We hear now that they invented Red Eye specifically to control this person. That's huge, you guys, because in the anime, we just got that there's a drug called Red Eye and people do that drug. Well, but but in the anime as well, they showed the experiments that uh, they put Pierre right. through and the red eye that they made him take. So it's not very Did far off. Red eye? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I just watched it before. We I was going to say, I didn't watch it. This, I didn't um, watch the anime this time. <laughs> they, they did like a big montage of him, like doing a bunch of experiments. And then like one of the cat's eyes was red while one of his eyes was red. And it was really good imagery and stuff like that. Um, but the, uh, <sighs> I love Pierre. He's my favorite villain. That's <laughs> I gotta say, I'm gonna throw this out there. His name is Pierrot. Just throwing it out there. If he's your favorite, you should at least say Pierrot. I'm just throwing it out there. Now I'm gonna call him Pierre. I don't care. That's totally fine. I don't think you like him as much as you said you do. So Yeah, I don't care. The, I'll be a totally honest though. I this is the character when we were watching the original and we knew that there was a live action coming up. I was like, this character is gonna be either well executed or really bad in a live action because he's everybody in cowboy bebop is a mix of tropes and genres right but pero is thank you phil so no to answer my question um but he in this one he's they give him they don't start him off in the clown outfit obviously um and they give him a little bit more of a tragic feel but i remembered thinking in the anime okay in the live action when this guy starts crying for his mom that's going to need to be executed like pitch perfectly because otherwise that is going to come across so dumb and i i honestly think that they pulled it off personally they did a good job um, leading up to it too and explaining that right. his mind was deteriorating it's the exactly. same they did in the anime like he's he's going and, backwards benjamin button kind of thing like He's regressing. He's definitely yeah. mentally regressing. And it is a result of the trauma that was inflicted on him by the syndicate surgeons and, and doctors, right? Right. Um, but to that point, I did. I really loved watching him walk through Earthland. I liked watching him think back to his memories of Earthland. And then he sees the clown outfit and just... I was, yeah. So, Sean, when, like I said, when we talked about this character in the original, we called our episode Penguin Joker Tally Man. So, which of the of the villain tropes hit you first with this guy, with uh, Piero LeFou? Uh, well, gosh, he makes, he does, he does hit, you know, like the trifecta, right? Like, he's, uh, he's got the maniacal laugh down. Like, he has a oh, man. great maniacal laugh. Uh, he's also just an agent of chaos. Um, which is really, which is really fun for our heroes because they're just like everything is chill and it's like a fun day and let's go bowling, which is a weird sport if you've never done it. And and the dogs kind of a weird to, sport anyway. It is a weird sport, but you know, um, and the dogs just trying to pee, and all of a sudden here comes this dude who's just basically a walking nuclear explosion and just sets the town on fire. And 
So yeah, maniacal laugh was great. I I love that um, the syndicate just outfitted him with all of the stuff. So I mean, like we're getting introduced to new tech, like we've never seen personal shields before, not since Dune. Dune um, and I really uh, I thought he was great. And I'm looking at his IMDb page. Um, there's a TV Josh show. Josh Randall. Yeah, he's great. So. I, I know him from a, 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 one of my favorite TV shows called Leverage, and he's mm. in the episode of Leverage, and it's like that's like one of my top four favorite shows of all time. So, the fact that I get to make a Leverage call out is actually pretty fun. <laughs> he's also in Scrubs, which is one of my favorite TV shows. I really appreciate that you made a Dune call out, Sean, because. <laughs> The way that Spike eventually figures out to beat this guy is that the slow blade cuts, right? Like, yeah. I am going to just have to go old school and go knife. Now, here's a fun thing that I learned, you guys. Um, so there's a, there's a couple of sites on the internet that, like, amass all of the tropes and give them names and explain mm -hmm. them and stuff. TV Tropes is TV one tropes, you can yeah. spend... Dude, you could spend days on that website. It's like a rabbit hole generator. It is not a good place <laughs> to go. But you know that weird trope in movies or tv where like a really unskilled warrior will just like close their eyes and go no i don't want to get hurt and end up killing like a bunch of bad guys and you know coming out on top the name of that trope is the slow blade cuts which is like <laughs> nice i think hilarious and mean but like you know indicating the slow blade like the unskilled sword <laughs> like yeah but i just i thought that that was great and and it fits so well there's so many sci-fi tie-ins right there what do you think about the repulsor boots i mean it's clearly wire work which i'm fine with but what did you guys think about the repulsor boots sean let's start with you oh i think it was fine i thought it was you know if you're gonna make him give him a shield you might as well make him fly too Let, let's make him be the most terrifying uh nemesis that the team has fought you know by far and i mean they get their butts kicked i mean they do get their butts kicked so i think that's important right like that's what makes the this particular episode kind of fun is that um in the both both story points the the heroes kind of the hero in their story vicious is the hero in his story like yep. they both have to overcome a thing to to win and uh, I thought that was kind of a neat parallel. So, like, in this case, he gets his ass kicked. I guess technically vicious, he doesn't get his ass kicked until at the end of his story, which is more emotional ass kicking. But it's still kind of a, I guess it's kind and of some a... some stabbings. Yeah. Well, he gets a little stabby stab, but I mean, ultimately he he's fine. He gets a little bit stabbed. I mean, yeah. he doesn't even limp. He's fine. So He gets a little bit stabbed. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little stab. <laughs> There's a reason they call it a liver. Like, you have to have one. Um, but he, yeah, I, I, I do really like that parallel and it is a good point. And I think, I think what I like about it is that Spike spends a lot of time letting Faye and Jet believe that he's going to let them help. Like, Ricky, what do you think about that in particular? Like we go through most of this episode with Spike, you know, in on the plan to here's how we're going to beat this guy. And he's learning the rhyme and he's doing all the stuff. And then he immediately leaves and jams everything and says, no, stay there. I'm going to deal with this by myself. So, like, that's a lot of time for him to be buying into faking that he's going to let them help, right? What do we think about that? Well, he seemed like from the beginning he wanted to do it by himself. He was yeah. like, okay, Piero kicked my ass last time. He set my face on fire. You know, I'll 
all these bad things happen, but I have a plan. I know more than I did before. I'm going to beat him. Here's how I'm going to do it. And then Jet starts going, no, 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 no. We need to do teamwork. We need to do this. We need to do that. And Spike is like, no, I am a trained murder machine. I can handle this. So that's really where I was seeing it play out. But I can't tell you that, right? Yeah. Even though apparently Jet. Jet knows. Well, but, and that's the, so that's the, well, okay. In this episode, we get an explanation of that where Jet goes, oh, I figured it out. You used to be in the army. And Spike just doesn't correct him, right? Because that's not what happened. Spike used to be a syndicate assassin. And to that point, though, a syndicate assassin and former spec ops would have a similar skill set. It would be particular. So Jet's not super far off. It's just that Spike doesn't correct him, right? So it, but yeah, I mean, it is pretty apparent right away that this is going to be a a one-on-one in Spike's head, that it needs to be a one-on-one in Spike's head. And yeah, I, man, the the tying in of Ayn as just, you know, another animal from Chariot's Medical that could have been close by when Pierre was getting cut on, to give that convenience at least a reason, I think was wonderfully done. And honestly, you could say that this episode, this single episode is the single best use of the Ein character, right? Because we finally get to see what it means to be a data dog. Why does it matter that Ein had, you know, experiments done on him? Why does it matter that his name is E1N and they just read that as Ein? Did you guys notice that? So on the tag, way back when we first meet Ein, it says E1N. I think we right? talked about but that on this, this episode, show. We, we did. Okay. But in this episode, when they're showing you like the mm-hmm. the a heads up display from Ein's perspective, up in the top right, there are actual dots. It says E1N. And it's just yeah. So it's like the dog's robo serial number or something. And I mean, that's more that's more of a dive than they ever did with Ein in the original. Or arguably most shows ever would do with a dog character that doesn't talk, right? Well, Actually, I guess I should rephrase that. What did we think of that that moment where Ayn has hollow projection eyes? I thought it was awesome, and I want to know more. This is like kind of one of the only times that we get to see that aspect of Ayn where, you know, I mean, Faye even calls it out. She's like, what the actual F is going on with this dog? Like, I, and I would do the same thing. I'd be like, this thing is shooting videos out of its eyes like what else is it going to shoot out of its eyes what else can this dog do you know and I, I just i it really left me wanting more you know and there's only three episodes left of this series so we're on episode eight there's i'm, I'm saying like eight nine ten that'd be three yes. like so yes technically two after this and that's not a lot of time to show more of what ein can actually do so again hashtag save cowboy bebop because we need hashtag more Bebop. And hashtag more Ayn. <laughs> yeah. uh, on that heads up display that we got to see from Ayn, if you read all of the data on the sides, it kind of sa- looks like it's uh, like calculating his movements. Like it's mm. uh, there's an X and a Y axis for where he's looking at and that kind of thing, which kind of makes me wonder, is it possibly a robotic dog? Uh, you know, what else could be going on with that? And I'm sure we're not going to get 
a whole lot of great answers, but you know, there's some cool information in that little heads up display. If you freeze it and read it and dig into that, he's got to be at least bionic. If he's not fully robotic, I mean, he has to pee and poop. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's, he's a cyber, he's a cyborg. And, um, that is a good thing. This episode does pass the Barkdale test. Sean, I got to ask because is he a Cy Corgi? Would that work? Uh, Cy Cy A Borgi. A Borgi is better. Yeah. I already said a cyborg. Did you guys miss that? No, I heard you. I was trying to uh, workshop it. I was trying to, you know, gotcha. get to the next level. Ignore it. Okay. I think it was, uh, didn't, need workshop personally but no. you know what i'm it's in a collaborative environment here at sudden but inevitable and i'm happy to have you guys' input i promise <laughs> now sean yeah i know that you like my friend josh are a bit of a cat person <laughs> um, a bit of a cat person yes there's one that lives in my house that belongs to my wife but yes i'm, I'm I have a cat. What do you think about Ayn? Do you love Ayn? Do you want more Ayn? What was your what was your uh, attachment level to Ayn at this point? Because Ayn gets left behind. Yeah, I was a little bummed out by that because I, I again, I don't remember a lot from the anime, but I do remember the dog. I remember that the dog. It felt like the dog was in it a lot. Um, I, maybe I'm just misremembering it, but that's probably you are. yeah. But like we all do, though, we all think that Ayn was in it way more than he actually was. It's a weird. Like, well, thing. it's also because the guy who brought the DVDs to, well, they might have been VHSs. I can't remember. But anyway, <laughs> the guy that brought the videos to, to campus to, to watch them, his, uh, his avatar on Facebook is Ein. And so, like, whenever oh, yes. I think of Michael, no one knows who this is, but whenever I think of Mike, oh, I, know I, Michael. I always think of, um, of Ein, his little icon there. So it's like, I guess, like I said, so when, when he got left, I thought, what? That doesn't make sense. I ain't supposed to like help them build, rebuild the bebop or something. I don't know. Like, I'm surprised Ayn wasn't fixing the ship instead of the 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 lady mechanic that we saw a few episodes ago. Right. Um. um you can just call her a mechanic. It's okay. Yeah. And the, the, uh... <laughs> the the big glowy eyes of uh, or the big hologram of of whatever it reminded me a little bit of the movie The Last Starfighter when. <laughs> the oh the evil God. head shows up and they're all like looking up at this giant head floating and like like, like as if the camera optics because he looks down at the the fighters it's like that the camera optics work that way I, I love that kind of stuff uh our friend phil in the chat says ricky and i had a college friend whose family bred corgis that's pretty cool, that is cool. um is I don't actually know how this works. So like our purebred corgis expensive because we we have reason to believe that they're only worth like two wulongs a piece. Um, but I I I feel like I should ask this question. Okay, so Spike gets lit aflame, and that looked very unpleasant. And then they what did they use on him? Like crystallized antifreeze? <laughs> like that did not look cool. Like blue rock salt of what did- what did she, what did they even call it? What did she call it? Uh, just chem chem bath. It was like a chem bath. Chem treatment, something. yeah. Or chem something. treatment, and yeah. Ugh. I so I immediately was having like <laughs> visceral reactions. Um, I my most frequent burn injury, gentlemen, is when I reach in to get a pizza from the oven and I singe like the middle part of my forearm on the top <laughs> part of the oven. Um, have any of you guys ever been burned like really badly, like? I, I I fortunately have never been burned super badly. I just I feel like we're gonna compare scars. 
if you want, yeah. Here we go. Get, no one can see one? this on the camera. So I used to work in a kitchen in the dish room um, at college, uh, and we had uh, a Chick Fil A and a couple other restaurants there. And so late at night, I'm I go over to the Chick Fil A and I'm like, "Hey, what you got for me to clean?" And he literally takes the fry basket, dumps the fries into the thing, and then hands me the basket. So I'm walking back with this fry basket, and. <sighs> As I'm walking back, my coworker thought it would be funny to pretend to trip me and actually tripped me. And the fry basket landed on my arm and cooked part of my skin. Um, so that was a fun time, you know, having to go to the doctor and have them put the cream, cream and I had it all bandaged up and whatever. But uh, yeah, that, oh was, that was a good time. I funny mostly asked that to see the sounds that Josh would make. Uh, that is brutal. I, <laughs> Callie, Callie. I know the correct term for this now, and it's libel. Another reason not to eat pizza. Is there fewer injuries? Like, right. come on, that's she. Callie D. Famous. Callie D. Famously does not like pizza, Sean. That's that's what's going on here. I know. Um. By the way, Callie, when your guest appearance on this show, no offense to anyone else you've had on there, Cameron, I love, but Callie, your guest appearance was awesome. I freaking loved it. I just wanted to say that yours was the best. So there you go. Sorry, Cameron, I love your brother, but. Callie's was the best. Ladies and gentlemen, the emperors in the chat and listening in podcast land, the gauntlet has been thrown. That's not two um, people no. that have said Callie was the best, I think. She was 100, awesome. 100% Callie. I think Cam said the same thing. She was. She is one of our most loyal supporters. She's been here since the beginning, and she is one of the most vocal cheerleaders for this show out on social media and in the real world, and we cannot thank you enough for being here just like you are every week and you usually bring your mother Rona with you. So to have you on the screen and in the virtual room with us was just a huge treat for us. And we are going to probably have you back. So be ready for that. Our friend Rona said purebred corgis in the UK currently cost over 2000 pounds, but then we do have a queen who breeds them. So um, if you have a problem with the price of corgis in the United Kingdom, Get ready to fight Big Corgi because they have <laughs> resources. Um, our friend Phil says there's no good reason to not eat pizza, Kelly. I'm sorry. And I'm going to have to agree with our friend Phil, as I do on basically everything ever. Um, but Callie does say thank you, Sean. Our friend Rona says, I would say Callie is the best, too. But I'm a tad biased. It's okay, Rona. You can still say she's the best. In fact, let's just say that you said that. So back to this this very enjoyable for me planning session of how we're going to take down Piero LeFou. It doesn't actually go down that way, but did you guys notice this is a prime trope subversion? Does anybody know which trope gets subverted here before I say it? Sean? I'm so sorry. I got totally distracted by reading the <laughs> chat. I know that happens, but dude, if you, want to read the live chat then why did you come to a podcast i'm totally kidding it's what we're known for hey, i don't i don't have a live chat so like this is like the most distracting thing ever a hundred percent totally kidding i'm just playing with you josh i saw you thinking do you know what it is i mean is it the what was the, the question stuffed, i'm the sorry. stuffed animal thing Okay, so Sean, the question was, there's a big subversion of a trope here during this explanation of how we're going to take down Piero LeFou, and do you know what trope it is? Our friend Philip has guessed the unspoken plan guarantee. I'm going to assume that that's correct and a better uh, version of what I'm about to say, which is the, <laughs> like, normally when we see 
this crew or any space Western crew planning a thing, it is intercut with them doing the thing, right? Yeah. And by the mm-hmm. time they're done explaining it, voila, everything is done and the plot has moved forward to that point. By the time we've explained how we're going to steal everything from Las Vegas, we've already broken into the Bellagio. Yeah. Yeah, Got exactly. It. We're driving out of the desert in a very nice car. I, I'm bad at that part, you guys. So, um, our friend Phil says, I spend way too much time on tvtropes.org. Yeah, it's a real, actual, dangerous problem. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to link it in the show notes to see whose lives we can ruin with that. So, um, I, sorry, Josh, go ahead. No, you're going to oh, ruin my oh, life. I see, I see what you're saying. You're the life that's going to be ruined. <laughs> yes. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, but I do, I do love that... It, Jet is sticking to the paternal mode that he started to adopt in the last episode with the crew, right? He saw his daughter's recital, and now he knows that Spike and Faye both have at least semi-tragic pasts, so he's turning up the dad factor, right? He goes, okay, guys, let's have a plan. Let's bump fists. Let's make rhymes. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. I've got poison gas. We can blow this guy up. (laughs) Like, um... (laughs) I just love this whole planning scene. It it really this is the moment for me where they start to feel like a true space western found family. They've been in the same space together up to this point plenty. They've been learning about each other, but this is the first moment where it feels like the dynamic is fully there. Faye is like, "Yeah, let's do it." Like, "Come on. I'm I'm still going to be, you know, uh potty mouth about it and like make fun of you guys, but I'm totally down." And Spike Despite knowing, again, the whole time that he plans to not allow them to put themselves in danger, he puts up with this whole plan. Because I think part of him is wanting to have this family, too. What do you think about that, Josh? Is is Spike softening a little bit? Or is it just that he's starting to maybe learn to balance this part of his life? I think it. I think he's softening a little bit. It shows a little bit at the beginning with the bowling scene when they're... When jet is like it's family time spike is like yeah you know he's spike is like me where he's like when i go to family time i don't really want to do it but i'm there for the other people you know i'm there because i care about the other people i'm there because i care about that family when i you know a lot of times even when i go with friends i don't want to be there but i'm there because i care about my friends and like my found family in in life and I feel like Spike is kind of that same way where he's like, yeah, I'll go do this because I care about you. And the same with him leaving on his own to go fight Piero. Like I'm going to do this because I care about you and I don't want you guys to get involved in my mess. Yeah. I'm going to say, I think Spike was being outright manipulative when he was sitting there doing the, you know, singing along with the song and that kind of thing, because he knew that jet was going to move forward with the plan this way. And Jet fully intends to have all three of them work on this fight against Piero. However, Spike also knows that he's going to jam up the ship and he's going to go take care of it on his own. So um, my, oh, go ahead. I was just, just going to say that's exactly what I would do. Like I would play along. Like yeah, I'll I'll play along with you for a little bit, but I'm honestly just going to leave you here because you don't need to get involved in my mess because I care about you guys way too much. Yep, and no amount of arguing or explaining or anything is going to change Jet's mind, so he's just going to go along with it and then go his other direction. And that's made so clear when Jet was trying to get him to talk about his past. Like, 
I know where you're from. I know what you've done. Like, what were you special ops? Were you this and this? Like, it's okay. You can tell me you're on my ship now. We're family, basically. And I think Spike at that point, you know, he says, I don't want to talk about it. And because he doesn't want, he doesn't want to admit that he cares about these people. Right. So he's just going to lie to them. Sean, what do you got? I'm going to take a more cynical approach. And that's, <laughs> and that, and normally I don't, but I'm in the mood for it. So why not? I think obviously Spike is going along with the, with the ruse. His plan is to do this the whole time, right? He, he planted the bug in the ship at, at some point in the past. Maybe this episode, we don't know, but at some point, because he knew at one point he would need to strand them in space to, to keep them somewhere, somewhere. The cynic in me says he doesn't do it because he loves them. He does it because he doesn't want them to maybe find out why he has to fight this guy by himself because the other two don't know why he's after them, after Spike. I think Spike is afraid that if he goes down there and the other guys come down there, somehow the, the sad clown, Agogo, is going to uh, tell them that he was sent from the syndicate to for that, those reasons. So I, I think it's... It could be a combination of all of the above, but I I personally think it's a little bit more of that. And then I do want to do real quick, Jesse, I know you're dying that you're you're I know you're dying. But Ebony, who just posted in our chat here, she's listening from Australia or watching from Australia. So that's pretty awesome. We have watchers from Australia. Thank you. So we've got Australia, we've got Scotland, we've got Germany, Germany. in the chat, no. we've got Colorado. This is very cool. We've got the Pacific Northwest, if I'm not mistaken, in the chat. Thank you for being here, Ebony, Philip, Callie, Rona, Jaunty Bolds, all of you wonderful people in our chat. We we just really appreciate you. Um, Sean, I'd actually like to piggyback a little bit off of what you said. And based on what I know about Spike and viewing this through my own lens of, shall we call it, hyperconfidence, I think that Spike is so convinced that only he can beat Piero. Like, okay, of the three of us, I can beat Piero because I know I can beat Jet and I know I can beat Faye. Now, to that point, Faye actually gave him a bit of a run for his money in the first episode. She's not half bad up close with a knife either. But there is something to be said for the radical independent streak that it exists in all three of these characters right it's just that they're at different stages of learning to temper that so um for jet that took having a daughter and being repeatedly betrayed by his partner and having to give up living with his family right um for Faye, that started to change when she met the mechanic uh so maybe this is where that's starting to change for spike Right. And maybe not because he does stubbornly go in by himself. But to Spike's credit, I mean, he does pull it off. Right. He does pull it off. So it's it is complicated. But I think that's what I love about it. It's so familial in that there are so many reasons for all these people to want to interact with each other the way that they do. And some of those reasons feel more valid to different of us on the screen for different reasons. And I think that's a sign of good realistic writing, right? Like Josh, you're like, yeah, this is realistic and relatable because of this. And I'm like, Oh, I feel it's realistic and relatable, but for an entirely different reason. And Josh and, or, and Ricky and Sean both pulled a slightly different interpretation of that. So I think that's 
I mean, I think that speaks well to the realism of the relationships, personally. I mean, considering that they're all on a spaceship and hunting bounties, right? Well, it also, I think, goes to just some of the, the, the good of, goodness of the acting, you know, because 100%. because we see John Cho's face. Now, again, he's in a little ship kind of hunched over like he's you know in his ship. But you kind of see a little bit of a pain on his face when he triggers the the tri- the, the Captain Kangaroo, which uh, I think there's like maybe two people that would get that actual reference to Captain Kangaroo. I mean, because so Captain Kangaroo, if I'm not mistaken, was an old cartoon like way back in the day. The way that I remember Captain Kangaroo is from I think an Everly Brothers song that was a cover of a song where he goes smoking cigarettes and watching captain kangaroo but i don't actually know if i've ever seen an episode of captain kangaroo it, it was a black and life. white like kids re- uh kids variety show um yeah there's actually about that loved it editors note that's actually eric heatherly covering the statler brothers <laughs> yeah, my dad had a my dad had a, a clarabelle the clown was the clown on the show and he had a an official Clarabelle the Clown horn uh, that he was very proud of. He still has it. Um, oh, that's yeah. probably a cool like Easter egg then because there's a clown in this episode. And he, I mean, Spike uses Captain Kangaroo in conjunction with yeah. a clown. I, I think that was intentional. I, I do think that. Um, but again, that's that that's a callback to you. You have to be a certain age. <sighs> To get yeah, that you're, well, basically. as I mentioned earlier, you're the adult in the room, yeah. Sean. So, so we appreciate that. You mean Josh, I'm going to be totally honest with you, man. When you said that your stepdad loved that show, it sounded like there was some trauma behind that statement. Do you care to expound? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good. Okay. So, Ricky D, what's your familiarity with Captain Kangaroo? Zero? Uh, I think I've heard the same song that you have. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I think that that's probably... Ac- I mean, we grew up around the same time. If you watch, ahead, back, to the, if you watch back to the Future 3... Nope. When when they, <laughs> I'm not saying I haven't. I'm saying I don't want to. Go ahead. Oh my What's God. wrong with you? <laughs> I know, right? What is wrong with him? <laughs> I've seen it. I don't need to see it again. Go, Go rewatch Back to the Future trilogy. It's nope. a it's a great trilogy. Anyway, there's a scene when they're when Doc, <laughs> uh, when Marty takes Doc back to his house, right? And it's kind of the beginning of the movie. I know he does hate fun. Thanks, Phil. Um, he uh, the on the TV there. As the camera is panning to kind of establish that we're in Doc's house, Captain Kangaroo is on the TV. Oh, oh yeah. I do remember okay. that show. My gosh, Jesse. You made that so difficult. I, that would have taken me 10 seconds, but you had to be like, no, oh, I don't like fun. So negative. Uh, back to the future. Uh, you, I don't like fun. Uh, my name is Jesse. Uh. Have you ever met me? That's like what I do. I am the digressor with a capital D. Our friend... Andrew Woofire is in the live chat. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesse's not thinking fourth dimensionally. Yeah. Of course, Andrew is the host of Bebop Tabletop, which is a podcast I have guested upon, and Andrew has been here as a guest, so please definitely go check that out. Our friend Rona in the chat says, we had audio tapes of Captain Kangaroo when Callie was young. I seem to recall lots of just-so stories. Kipling, as in Rudyard, I assume? That is... Very cool. I I feel like our live chat has more like depth and culture than the rest of Any our show of us. combined. Phil right? by yeah. himself <laughs> yeah, has well, more depth I, and culture than all of us. Of course, yeah, and he's in the same state as us. That's before we even include the international folks, <laughs> which is just amazing. Um, Callie backing up her mom strong says we did. <laughs> Question mark. Cool. Nice. So, <laughs> okay. Bringing families so you guys, together. 
before we get to our segments you, for this Fire. week, I feel like we've been talking really quickly, and and this is the time where I should say, Josh, is there is what did I skip that we should talk about, and then we'll go Ricky, and then we'll go Sean. I got nothing. I feel like we covered pretty much everything. Uh, I did want. I, uh, I guess we were talking about his like floaty boots earlier, and like his shields mm-hmm. and stuff. And I thought they did a really good job bringing the anime to the live action that way. Um, the floating in the yeah, because he the did silhouette fly. Shots. Yeah, he did fly in the other one, and he did have mm-hmm. like his fat penguin suit that was kind of his shield. And in this one, it was more, it was, it was more Star Trek explained, I guess you would say, explained in a yeah. Star Trek way, which I really enjoy that reluctantly, but. <laughs> Like, well done. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So I it's like it. Th- one thing about just again the the translating from the anime to this uh the live action for this particular villain, I just I still love it. Like again, this was, you know, my background here. This is that's my shot from season two of yeah, yeah. Sudden But Inevitable. And it was because I loved this guy so much. I think the name of that episode, I, we all, I, you know, he reminded me of Joker and Penguin and Tallyman, all of, you know, Batman lore. And Same it's time, just, yeah. it's, he didn't do that quite as much in this one, which is fine, but he still had yeah. a lot of the same mannerisms. And like I, like I said earlier, the grinding of the teeth, when I watched the anime again, I was like, oh, good, it hurts. Like hearing him yeah. grind his teeth in the anime. And then he did it in the live action as well, but it wasn't nearly as like ear piercing. I feel like as it was in the anime. So again, I just wanted to further on, on the villain of this, this particular episode. I, I really, really like him. And I, and I a hundred percent agree. I think that while he wasn't exactly precise, he was like 99% and it was very well executed. Like I said, it's a character that could have been dumb, but I mm-hmm. think they did a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Andrew, in the live chat, here's a fun thing you're about to learn. He says, thanks for that, but more importantly, I, too, am a huge Back to the Future detractor. So, thank you for the support in the live chat, Andrew. I appreciate that. That's for people listening in podcast land, he actually chat. says, I am a Back to the Future <laughs> super fan. Don't let Jesse lie to you like that. <laughs> but you know what? If you're not on the screen, man, you don't get represented. That's so. slander right there. By the way, I, uh, uh, fire. Oh, yes, it there is you go. because it's not spoken. Right. Uh, so awesome. Sean is holding up a tiny DeLorean, yeah. so he's going to go back to the little future. I've been on the train tracks that they uh, filmed Back to the Future 3 on. That's awesome. Again, yeah. I'm not a Back to the Future detractor. I just don't feel compelled to watch the third one in the series again. I don't feel compelled like, to listen I don't, to you. I don't think that that's like a, a hot take, honestly. So, um, and I know that, Josh. That's why I started a podcast where I make you watch shows that I know you're going to like. Ricky D, to the question that I had mentioned prior, do you think there's anything that we haven't discussed from this episode that simply must be discussed? Yeah, I wanted to talk about the bowling scene at the very beginning a little bit yeah. more. I really enjoyed that bowling scene. Uh, it, there was, you could see just a whole bunch of character development in all of the different characters by the way that they bowled, which was kind of cute. I think would yeah. be a good way to say it. Yeah. But you know, jet is going around. He's organizing everybody. He's making everybody happy. He's getting a cake. Uh, you know, he's doing his father thing. Spike walks up there, throws the ball, doesn't even pay attention. He knows he has a strike already. 
Faye goes up and she does a little two-handed, and she goes, be free. And that's another, like, it's a perfect explanation of Faye's character. Uh, And it was just, it was a really fun little moment. It was short. It was arguably unnecessary, but Mm. I really enjoyed it. Faye missed it by that much. Valentine is just so, you know truly essential to her character and of course strike spiegel is like just the essence of cool strike we can't get spiegel. around that get the and f out of here <laughs> he's been mean? waiting for that he has I, been this whole guys, episode guys, that's why he was so excited my notes for, for you this to episode? bring up bowling because he was like yes i get to make a strike spiegel joke <laughs> look at that those are my notes for this episode there are three of them i promise i will share with you the document none of these say strike spiegel it just struck me in the moment, oh, if I may. God. Okay, and then no, one other I thing I wanted to mention. Go ahead, Ricky. Yes. Did anybody catch the Breaking Bad quote in this episode? Breaking Bad. Is that a TV show? Yeah, it's uh, the oh. one about the guy that makes the uh, math. The one with uh, Hal. Yes, Hal. I did yes. not. What did, where, where was it? There's a character named Jesse in that show, I think. There is. There is. He's uh, a total they were cool. walking out of the bowling alley, and they were talking about astrological signs. And uh, somebody said, I didn't think Spike would know that much about astrological signs. And he goes, yeah, well, I'm layered like nachos. I did. I did really like that. So I didn't know that that was a Breaking Bad reference. But personally, I went, that's a total Harold and Kumar moment. Like, oh, yeah. Come on, bro. I'm layered like nachos like that. That just felt ultra stoner to me but it fits this world too and that's cool man like i i didn't even know that that would have been that it's thing. a fairly famous quote from the show it's when jesse is trying to explain himself to his buddies and he's like oh no nah, man i'm deep i'm layered i'm like nachos oh, what an amazing show i wonder if there's any production crossover and if maybe that's why that that line made it in really quickly Everybody listening and watching, I got to say, our friend Andrew has completely redeemed himself. Um, he he added on another bowling joke when we were doing the run of bowling jokes. So I love you again, Andrew. Well played. Um, Ricky D, is there anything else that you feel like we have to discuss? I think Those I am good to go really now. Good. Sweet. Sean, my wonderful friend, host of Cheap Seat, the podcast that reviews the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. Do you feel like there's anything from this episode we have to discuss before we get to our segments? The only couple of things, yeah, just real quick. Pretty much the only thing that I that I really kind of bumped on also was at the end fight scene because the fight scene we didn't really talk much about between, you know, uh, Mister Knife Guy and Evil Clown, and that because mm-hmm. um, the the actual fight scene is is pretty cool. You know, it's 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 very you know kind of kung fu. You know, Spike is like doing flips and throwing knives, and again, it, it was it just very um, kind of kung fu. Uh, it's like China style martial arts. It was it was a lot of fun, but then you know he kicks him and goes and he sends him out into space. From which there was we didn't get a resolution, so I just assumed he's still floating in space, like he's just going to go forever, which is fun to think about. Like he's just still there now. Um, but when those grenades fall, like was that theme park made of explodium? My God, that whole place exploded. So, yeah. Like, yeah. Could you not? Could you not tell? I mean, it was like. <laughs> Because those were those were some. I mean, they were grenades. Yeah. I'll grant them that they were grenades, but they were not those level of grenades. <laughs> they must have been future grenades, right? The only other thing that made sense in the, the first time I saw it was that maybe the clown went there and like 
planted explosives in preparation yeah. for Spike to get there. He was there a while. So that in just in case things don't go the way he wants them, then he can drop the grenades and blow up the whole theme park. Like maybe that's what happened, but because my God, that whole place went up. So it does yes, the like, same thing well, in the anime too. Like he, when well, he, yes. Just well, and I think in the anime, we probably chalked it up to this needs to explode, um, <laughs> which is fine. But like, I, I think it's a fair question but if you think about it, I think you were I think you nailed it, Sean, when you said, did he like plant explosives or something was, you know, what's going on? But if I mean, he could have been there for a long time for the whole time they were planning. And he when he gets there, he says something like time to die or like I'm going to go die now or something. Yeah. Right. So it's possible that he knew, like he had set the whole thing up to explode as a fail safe if he couldn't, you know, take Spike out one on one. And it becomes pretty clear that. Maybe his, uh, maybe his fragile mental state actually had led to like a dissociative identity disorder sort of a thing, where like one version of him is planning way ahead, and then the other version of him is like, okay, let's just get out all my guns, right? So it, I think that you probably nailed it in your explanation that he was there, and some of it was premeditated, and some of it was yeah. just like wacky agent of chaos sort of thing. What else you got, Sean? That's kind of it. You know, like, um, like I don't even care that the gun that he's using at the end is a Bren, uh, which only has thirty round magazine. But I don't care because it's the future, and exactly. magazines could have way more bullets in them. I don't care. I really don't. Other than the fact that I've mentioned it now, but that's it. I mean, it's uh, you know, I don't think I've actually said how I feel about this yet. I know we do a ranking at the end. I had a yeah. blast with this. I don't think I've mentioned yeah. yet. This was a lot of fun. This is, I think kind of the most um certainly kind of the most um violent of the episodes we've seen right i mean there's beheadings um, there's there's a lot of i mean i know there's a lot of some other folks got turned into trees in yeah, that was, episode i know that's that like gross. yeah that's pretty awful um yeah okay that's fair they exploded they did I mean, explode yeah. but i guess i guess <laughs> when i'm thinking of violence as in like one-on-one -on -one violence kind of a thing i don't know maybe oh, not for sure but um this this episode just felt like this episode was basically two uh three big fight scenes with a little bit of talking and a holographic dog projection system in the middle there so yeah that's the kind of equation i could get behind go ahead josh uh phil mentions he was pulling a five nights at freddy's and or willie's wonderland and had to kill all the animatronics i do want to say if you have not seen willie's wonderland yet it stars nicolas cage it is one of the best nicolas cage movies it's on hulu Watch it. Okay, since this is my show and that's an excellent digression, Josh, I got to ask you guys, have any of you seen Prisoners in the Ghostland or Prisoners of the Ghostland? It's it's a movie that he has and he promoted it as like, this is the weirdest movie I've ever been in. Mm -mm. I really wanted to see it. I haven't checked it out yet. If anybody in the live chat has seen that movie, give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Do you think I would like it? All right, well then, you guys, let's go ahead and move into our first weekly segment here at Sudden But Inevitable, which, of course, just like every other week, is going to be Shot of the Show. Shot of the Show, as you know, is where we share our favorite visual moments from this week's episode, those moments that now live rent-free in our heads we just cannot shake. Sean, as our guest, let's have you go first. That means, Josh, pull up sean's shot give us the time code and sean walk us through it it's at 40 minutes even so this is a shot for those doing the podcast this is a shot where we're getting earthland in the background and you've got the uh the sad clown going up into space for his ultimate demise 
And I love the shot because one, it's 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 kind of incredibly sad. Like everything in this shot is sad, right? The 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 buildings are all dilapidated. Um, the the clown just looks sad as he's being pulled into into outer space. Um, it, it it's it's a sad end to a sad character, um, who you know again he was there for violence, but he it was it's sad. But I also love a good lens flare. I don't I don't hate J.J. Abrams for <laughs> for the lens flare. Maybe a few less in 09, Star Trek 09. But uh, you know I don't mind a good lens flare. So I just I just think this is a really pretty shot and. Yeah, that 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 that's kind of really that's really it's just it's just for for the fact that the bad guy is being defeated, it's just incredibly sad. So I just I don't know why I really picked up on that, but uh, yeah. You know, I think that Eric Bana's portrayal of Nero in Star Trek 09 is kind of underappreciated. Like when he first meets the Captain Pike and he goes, "Hi Christopher, I'm Nero." Yeah. Like there's just a subtlety to that that I just love. Like he I'm sorry, this isn't a Star Trek podcast. Um, what the F just happened? <laughs> give, me, give me your shot of the show and your time code and walk us through it, my friend. I, uh, my shot comes at 32 minutes and 39 seconds. Did we just, did we just break Josh? Uh, kind of. <laughs> it, it's, it's happened before. <laughs> this is gorgeous. Go ahead. We were talking about this earlier. Um, the, the Star Wars... Oh, God, you guys did break me. Why the Star <laughs> Trek talk? What the fuck just happened? It's Sean's fault. He mentioned lens flare, and then... Yeah, <sighs> okay. Go ahead. All right, all right. Sorry. So, no, this shot with Vicious standing here above all the dead bodies in the room that he just massacred um, is by far one of the best shots. I know that I talked a lot about Piero and that whole storyline and stuff, but, I mean, this... This was was one of the coolest scenes by far because, like Sean said earlier, you didn't really know that Vicious could fight until this right here, and boy, could that guy fight! Um, he not only can he fight, but he can take a beating. Like he got stabbed what three or four times, and not just by little tiny knives. Like he got stabbed by a, a an Arabian spear. Like in the you know, some... I believe it's called a naginta. Okay, I, I'm I'm thinking of like Aladdin, the spears that the guys oh, yeah. had in Aladdin, and they were just huge. <laughs> Yo, Do you know what the penalty is for stealing? <laughs> this was also probably my favorite scene with Vicious so far. So far, all of the Vicious scenes have been just a lot of backstory, not a lot of excitement, that kind of thing. This one was an awesome scene with Vicious. <clears throat> yeah, I, I I couldn't I couldn't like I, I tried to pick so many other shots from this. Sh from this particular episode but i always came back to this one because it just has such a good you're fading out from this shot and you're you're seeing you know the damage that he actually caused and now he's the one alone on top of this throne where everyone around him is dead basically it's it's really cool well and to sean's point about his shot earlier with the storytelling of it josh bring yours back up I think that this accomplishes a very similar thing in setting a tone, setting an atmosphere in a single shot, much as Sean's shot made it feel very sad and melancholy. This is a shot that shows you, this is a culmination of so many things. All these loose ends are being tied up. Look how many circles there are in this room. One, yeah. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve circles at least that I can count. And in the center of that, in that, center black circle where everything has come full circle around this one figure that's not only you know his his halo 
in his own mind, but it's, you know, the void that he has cast him, his soul into by doing this. Vicious stands in pure white contrast to this black circle. And we mentioned this in the original series, white in the Japanese culture is the color of mourning, is the color of death. And despite being in a room full of blood and red and orange and black, the most prominent color in that picture is that little sliver of white in the center where Vicious is standing. Josh, that might be my favorite pick that you've had for shot of the show in any season of Sudden But Inevitable. That is a gorgeous shot. (laughs) Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. You are up next. Josh, what do we got? Uh, 33 minutes and 44 seconds. Boom. (laughs) This is... A little bit less exciting shot than everybody else's, but I really liked the uh, the character development that came out of it. This is right as Spike is flying away after they've made their big plan about how all three of them are going to triangulate their attack against Piero. And then they all of a sudden the ship is smoking and sparking and jets or spikes nowhere to be seen. They head out to the flight deck and they're just kind of looking out the window, watching Spike fly away. And they're like, well. I guess this is what he wanted to do. There's this, like, whiny, upset acceptance on their face, right? Yes. There's this, well, I guess he's family, so I will just put up with this look on their face. (laughs) And, yeah, that's, uh, man, honestly, I'm really glad that you pulled that because it is a beautiful character moment, and especially from this episode where it's kind of all about the ridiculous fun that we're having with the series. This is an excellent pick to contrast that, and I really like it. And everything here, like all the stuff in this particular image, perfect translation from the original series. I mean, this is what you see in those characters. You see the snide confidence of Faye, and you see the just beaten down melancholy whatever of Jet at all times. I really like like it. Damn it. (laughs) It's being a dad for you, bro. Josh, what do you have for us at my pick? This one is at the 21 minute and six second marker. Bam! Okay. Um, This also might be one of my favorite picks for a shot of the show that we've done. If you didn't pick this one, I was going to pick this one, so... Yeah, this is actually not Piero wearing the mask and the outfit yet. This is Piero reflected in the glass of the case that is holding the outfit before he puts it on. He leans forward in a way that makes his eyes and mouth line up with the clown makeup, but then he starts to laugh in a way that just makes the mouth detached. It appears detached like a puppet, like a ventriloquist dummy and it's like just so creepy but at the same time you can see that tragic sadness that sean was talking about there is something about the shape of his mouth even though he's laughing that you can see the pain in it and it's just the composition of this whole show visually is one of my favorite things about it and i know we've said it before but anybody that doesn't like the look of this show is like probably got an astigmatism or something like come on how do you not like the look of the show it's amazing looking i'll give you you might not like the content but the look of everything in this is just so frigging cool in my opinion personally i know it's subjective whatever now that we have that out of the way let's jump into our second weekly segment which of course is called no finer one-liner Of course, is where we share our favorite lines of dialogue from this week's episode. Josh, 
perfectly hit. Thank you, my friend. If I may, let's have Sean's lineup first. Go ahead and play it, and then Sean, talk us through why you picked it. He's a violent, homicidal, loose cannon. Well, that <laughs> sounds like my kind of guy. Yeah, I picked that one because it just it shows how far Vicious not willing to go, but needs to go to get Spike out of the way. He is willing to loosen a rabid dog into the streets of whatever in order to, to because I don't think, I think that Vicious doesn't think he can take Spike out himself. And 100%. I, I think um, because we find out later more how badass Spike is, and we also find out that, you know, he knows that, but in this episode and so far, you know, vicious, I think is kind of scared of him uh, a little yeah. bit. And, um, which I think is pretty cool. So that's one of the things I picked the, I, again, I might've gotten distracted by the chat cause you guys were awesome and distracting, <laughs> but, um, I'm reading the trivia on this episode in particular, and I'm, I'm reading this thing and it's just like, uh, lightning in my brain. Um, there's not a trivia section, is there? I don't want to steal your thunder. No, 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 no. Go, go for um, it. The character LeFou quotes a version of Roy Batty's iconic Tears in the Rain line at the end of Blade Runner, um, furthering the parallels between Spike's bounty hunter and Deckard's Blade Runner. And the quote being, I have seen so many things that you, the dead, would never believe. All these moments will be soon forgotten like tears in the rain. It's time to die. He, he does kind of a, a version of that. And, I, and to me, that goes to that parallel of they've sort of made him this artificial thing now, yeah. right? Like they, they cut on him, they messed with his brain. He, yeah, Phil said the time to die line. It's just like yeah. there's, it does add, and I mean, t you talk about a movie with rain in it, right? <laughs> but yeah, I just, it's, it's, it's another layer of beautiful parallel. I, and to your point, Sean, every one of these episodes has so many layers and i think we spoke on this last layers week like nachos like nachos but cowboy bebop in general is just this pile of melted cheese tropes and you have to pick it apart and take specific bites to find out what all of those flavors are and and that is an excellent illustration of that and an excellent point and i'll be honest i just think that that is what i one of the things i like about vicious is that he's so casual with it he's like cool sounds like my kind of guy let's do it yeah. i really Really like that. Josh, if you don't mind, give us your pick for this week. I know how a man's deeds can follow him around and haunt him. I don't want to talk about it. I just like this one because it's very poignant when it comes to life in general. When you, you know when you get older, especially, and you start thinking about stuff that you did when you were younger, and you're like, man, what a dick. <laughs> or just, you know, things that come back to bite you in the ass later on. Like, it's it's kind of a thing that, that I don't know. I like picking out these lines where it just means a little more to real life than just the show. And this is one of those lines where like I connect with it a little more where I'm like, Oh God, there's some things that are coming back right now that are biting me in the ass. And I'm kind of like, I don't really want to talk about it, but well, it's all part of, it's all part of the, 
you know, which which weights do you choose to carry, right? right and right. and how and for how long? And it's it goes back to I think uh, two maybe three episodes ago where Spike says, you know, you get that arm replaced, and he's like, you know, some stuff you just can't replace, right? And that's Jet's way of saying, no, I'm gonna hold on to my pain. I need my pain, <laughs> and it's Star Trek it's, Five. It is an important <laughs> moment, right? Because Spike is in that moment saying, I'm doing the same thing. And that's why Jet doesn't keep asking about it. So it is a moment of, you know, recognition between the two of them. It's an excellent, excellent pick. If you don't mind, give us Ricky D's pick for No Finer One Liner. The dog plays movies from his eyes. This was obviously just a really fun line in the movie or in the episode. Uh, it kind of seemed like Spike and Jet are like, okay, he plays movies from his eyes. We're flying around in a spaceship. Uh, there's a guy with bulletproof armor on. Like, yeah, th- we're in the future. Cool. Faye. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Uh, Faye is more like, it's a dog and it's making movies with his eyes. And it was just a fun difference between all of them right it is a um (laughs) we live on a spaceship dear moment right right like um but it fits with Faye to your point because she slept through all that Mm -hmm. right she's she's us in this scene she's like excuse me (laughs) like that's not a thing that people are used to (laughs) and you know Spike being ultimately unflappable you can't tell if he's just cool all the time or if he's seen that five other times from other dogs but that is a that's actually a really good point and i think it does it does serve to give us that moment with Faye where we identify with her yet again as the what is the world that we are living in and why are things like this but i you know going back to what we were saying earlier i love that they gave this much more for ein to do um really quickly if you if you're not already following ein on twitter please go to my twitter at sudden butt you will find that I'm following the actual Corgi that played Ayn in the series. They are going to be giving away potographed prints of the dog that played Ayn. And after that giveaway, those same prints will be for sale. So just throwing it out there, I will put a link into the show notes. If you want a potographed sign, a signed potographed print from Ayn, the actual dog, Go to my Twitter, and there will be retweets galore. I'm not the one providing them. The owner of the dog is providing them. That's the person who will be. Oh, contact. I thought it was the actual dog doing the. Yeah, way to way to ruin the magic there, Jesse. Is Santa not real either? The dog is signing the photos with his paw. It's just that um, I didn't. What I was trying to clarify was that I wasn't Twitters? going to be. I he does. I just didn't. I just wanted to clarify that I wouldn't be the one making money off of the prince. <laughs> Because that's not what's going to happen. ruined Easter. No, it's totally the dog tweeting. He's a data dog. Um, yeah. So, Josh, please, if you don't mind, play my quote, my friend. It's ablative armor. It diffuses kinetic energy from explosives and fast-moving bursts. It's useless against the blade, though. And we already discussed this as well. The slow blade cuts. Um, ablative armor is something that I first encountered in Star Trek Voyager, I believe. Uh, Voyager was equipped with that. I think it was something that they found while they were in the Delta Quadrant. I'm not 100%. But it is a real thing. Um, they use it on actual like 
you know, military machines. It's armor plating that is designed to break away. Um, it's it's a thing that like lessens impact through dispersion or something. I think <laughs> our friend Sinisera has made it to the chat. Welcome, Steve. Thank you for being here. Um, yes. And beyond that, it's just it's just Spike knowing. Well, here's how you handle that situation then. Like, if I can't shoot this guy, I'll just stab this guy. And you know, it is for for those of us that remember the series, it's a it's a moment of foreshadowing. We go, oh, he's gonna get stabbed in the leg and start crying, and he does. Spoiler alert. So it's it's it makes me want to just say nice, like Spike said in that one episode. It's like this is just cool, right? Like this is just absolute cool, which is what Spike Spiegel is. So that's why I picked this one. All right, guys, that's it for the segments. The last thing that we generally do here on the show is we grab a rating and then we slap a grade on this guy. So let's do that. And we will start with our guest, Sean. Sean, would you like to give this episode a rating out of 10? Feel free to do whatever you want with whatever decimals you like, because I am a generous host and I have no rules. Go ahead. Uh, I do remember getting my hand slapped on the first time I guessed it on here about using too many. I hours. think you're greatly exaggerating that, but go ahead. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, uh, I'm going to give this. So IMDb gives this a 6.9, which I think that is nice. I think that's incredibly low, personally. I do too, but it's 69. I mean, yeah, 69, giggity, giggity. But like, um, you know, I don't know. I'm going to give this an eight and a half. I, I had a good time with this. I don't know what that means beer one spilled a whole beer sorry josh is talking about the live chat our friend <laughs> steve says spilled a whole beer no we we caps lock stuck i have a feeling that steve has been drinking <laughs> anyways sean if i'm not mistaken you just gave this an eight yeah, point eight, five eight and a half 10. this is a good time this is a fun <laughs> this is a, there's there's a cool cliffhanger within the episode <laughs> Callie is wondering if uh, Steve is having yes. like issues. Like this is great. He's he's drunk? gonna be all right, ladies and gentlemen. I'm confident in that. Uh, Eight point five out of ten. Josh, my friend, what do you have for this episode? Ten. There it is. This is my first ten of the season, and I'm pretty sure this is the only ten that I give this whole out of this whole season. Um, and it's mainly because they did such justice for my favorite villain of the anime. And I I just love everything they did with him. And then I also they they moved the story ahead so much with Vicious, and they they make his story vicious, and and I'm very uh very excited about it. I'm I'm sad obviously that you know I I wanted to say I'm sorry before before I, going back and watching the anime made me really sad that we still haven't seen uh, Ed yet. Well, that's for season two. When once we are done hashtag save cowboy bebop and we get hashtag more bebop, then we'll get more ad in season two. Just gonna have to move it to Hulu. Come on, Disney. I see you. I'm fine with that. Let's do it. I'm fine. With- <laughs> um, our friend Phil in the chat postulated that perhaps our friend Steve in the chat oh had spilt God. said beer upon his keyboard. Turns out that all one word. Phil got it. So uh, we're sorry to hear that, that, Steve. What? Because look, are you a god? Gets spilled, and then all the things happen. Don't ask that question, Josh. He makes me want to watch more Neon Genesis. Okay, no, but for real, Um, like, how did Phil get that? I it took me like I couldn't even. Can we do a podcast together? I thought that that was clear. So 
Let's move to Ricky D's rating for this week, Josh. You gave it a 10. Josh gave it an 8.5. Ricky D, my friend, what have you got? I'm going to go 9.2. This was an amazing episode. It's a lot of fun. It. I really can't bring it down below a 9. I don't quite want to drift up there with Josh to 10. 9.2, it's solid. Um, our friend Phil is from the Miguel Antulio School of Thought. If someone asks you if you are a god, you say yes. Is that another movie you don't want to go back and watch, Jesse? Uh, no, that's a really good movie, actually. I like Road to El Dorado. So... With that all having been said, I... Yeah. Is that what that's from? Do you... No, if someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes, it's from Ghostbusters. That's what I thought. I am saying... Listen to me. I think it they said it on from... Buffy. <laughs> oh, we're getting, we're getting Jesse frustrated. This is great. I broke oh, Josh I earlier. Now I'm getting Jesse. I've never been frustrated in my life. Bullshit. My point is... Well, with Sean. Oh, okay. Um, my point is, yes, it is a line from Ghostbusters, but it is the Miguel and Tulio school of thought, right? Everybody assumes they're gods and they go, yep. So it's it's one of those things. It applies in both places. And if you will remember, I have spent all night detracting from the Back to the Future franchise. No, so, that's what I'm saying. I just assumed if you didn't like Back to the Future, you wouldn't like Ghostbusters. <laughs> That's probably I think fair. Ghostbusters is better. Um, anyways, I I have to ask Josh, do you have the uh, the segment sheet pulled up by any chance? God, nobody oh, can do it mind. right now. I've I've got it. It's okay. It's okay. I've got it. So I give uh, this episode number eight, Sad Clown Agogo, a seven out of ten. Personally, I think um, the sheet lied. I'm pretty sure I put nine point five on the sheet, but on your oh for yours, yeah, yeah it does say nine point five out of ten, but that's okay. Um, I give this a seven because it is, it's not my favorite episode. I do have a lot of fun with this episode. There are some character moments that I enjoy. Um, there are more character moments in other episodes that I enjoy more. Initially on this watch through, I was writing this in at a six. And then once we got to that moment where Vicious dies, <laughs> I was like, okay, I got to bump this back up because they totally got me the first time. I was, I was too immersed and I was definitely convinced um, so that puts us at a 0.86, which is an 8.6. So I'm going to say a B plus for this episode. That's not bad. I think that comes in higher than what IMDb has it at. So that's probably accurate, right? Got to say that. Um, we have to highlight this really quick. Somebody named Smallville Sky says, just ran to you guys on Twitter and it's refreshing to hear people love the show as much as I do. You've earned yourself a subscriber. Hashtag save Cowboy Bebop. Hashtag more Bebop. Thank you, Smallville Chill. Sky. That is music to our ears. I can't tell you how much we appreciate that. We also covered the original anime. We covered Firefly. We covered Highlander. There's all kinds of stuff that you're going to like in our back catalog. And I can't tell you how happy we are to have you along for the ride that is sudden but inevitable. Look at that. Phil Krogmeyer in the chat. You get similar vibes from Road to El Dorado. Yes. Thank you. Justified by Phil. That's all I need. So, now that we have God all of our Phil. ship's business out of the way, gentlemen... Shall we start to bring this wonderful show to a bit of a close? And shall we begin to do so by asking our wonderful friend, Sean, Sean, 
If the good people out there listening or watching want to get more Sean in their life, what's the easiest ways that they can do that? Yes. Yeah, uh, thank you again, uh, Jesse, for having me on. I am Sean from Cheap Seat Reviews, the podcast that explores the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. Easiest way is uh, our link tree, link tree slash Cheap Seat Reviews. Um, CheapSeatReviews.Libsyn.com is our website there. You can find our catalog of all 384 episodes. Um, we've been doing this for eight years and uh yeah we uh we've had jesse on let's see he did uh road to perdition uh, in fact everybody on the screen has been on the show at least once so that was uh yeah it's uh it's good stuff thanks for having me on this has been a blast you're quite welcome and i gotta say man you're you're a returning guest for a reason uh, when we first started Sudden But Inevitable a little bit over a year ago, um, we had our, our group of friends that make uh, shows here at the Twist My Arm Network, but we didn't know any other podcasters, right? It was a a jumping into of the arena that we had never done before. And, um, you know, people that are here watching or listening, they know that we encountered Cheap Seat, we encountered Green Shirt, we encountered Bebop Tabletop. There's a lot, you know, Bedwed Behead, uh, Pixie from Next on Stage 1. There's a lot of people that we encountered that have since become actual real-life friends. And that is, that's one of my favorite parts of making this show. And I think it fits so perfectly because our show is so much about found family. And... um you know, I, I'm really looking forward to my next appearance on your show, Sean. I don't know if, if is it okay if I announce what we're going to be watching yeah, on my next appearance? Okay. okay, so one of my favorite movies ever, one of just humanity's favorite movies ever, The Princess Bride, is going to be what we're going to discuss on my next episode of Cheap Seat Reviews. I don't know how they haven't gotten to it yet, but I'm I'm really excited to go talk about that. So thank you for the opportunity the actual to do French that as well, toast. Sean. So <laughs> now that we have asked Sean... Ricky D, if the folks out there would like to get more Ricky D in their day, what do they do? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Best Flicks Ricky D. You can find the Best Flicks podcast on any podcast player you're looking for, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, all of that. And uh, also every Friday night right here with SBI. I think this is where I do my best work. So uh, come back next week, Friday, 835 Mountain Time, and uh, I'll be right here. I am going to have to agree with you 100%. This is where you do your best work. And I think it's because Josh is here to produce this show and make sure that you and I don't have to focus on anything other than the discussion and our feelings and the pure rage that we feel for one another. <laughs> Josh, if the good folks out there want to get more Josh oh in their days, I know Quest Me is over, but please talk about Quest Me and tell people where oh, they yeah. can find you. Sean was actually on Quest Me. Um, Quest Me is where we talk about Star Wars. Those of you that know me know that I love Star Wars, and I can talk about Star Wars all day, all night. And so, of course, I have to do a podcast about it. We just wrapped up our season three, um, where we talked about the Book of Boba Fett. Um, I believe we're going to have some intermittent episodes in between season three and four, where we might do a movie or some some sort of Star Wars property, maybe go into a book instead of a movie, um, because I feel like, you know, everyone's seen the movies. Let's maybe dig into some expanded universe kind of stuff and and do that. Um, I'm also preparing a gosh, it's it's in the works, um, but I'm going to start booking interviews for local bands, um, local things around the Denver and now Omaha area. So. Um, if anyone around, even anywhere in the Midwest, um, I'm, I'm looking to do more local stuff. Hit me up. 
because um, I would love to have you on the show. Um, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna do the start the basement sessions back up where we where we talk about a lot more music and and that kind of thing. You know, it's all in the works. There's a lot of things going on in the month of March for me, so I'm gonna be a little <clears throat> out of it for a minute. Um, but if you want to get a hold of me on Twitter, my handle is at twistmyarmcast, and you can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, any of those places. Just search Twist My Arm. And our new website, twistmyarm.net, has all of our podcasts all in one spot. Quest Me, Sudden But Inevitable, Best Flicks, Marvel Can of Madness, um, the original Twist My Arm, and then also all of our streams go directly to our website. Our store is attached to our website. Everything is there. So if you want anything Twist My Arm, go to twistmyarm.net. Excellent. Excellent, excellent. I have to highlight a couple really quick things before we go, you guys. Our friend Callie in the chat says, Welcome, Smallville Sky. If you want love, this is the right place. SBI is always spreading love. Then we got a bunch of Princess Bride, OMG, whoop, whoop, best movie. When does it happen? I need to watch this. Does anybody want a peanut? To answer the question, uh, it will it will become available on your podcast catchers March 25th. Thank you, Sean, again. You for know, Bed, Wet, and Behead just did a really good Princess Bride episode recently. It's, it is They did. Wonderful. I got to say, go listen to Bed, Wet, and Behead. And yes, Ricky, Meg, and Carla are both on that episode. Finally. <laughs> Our friend Phil in the chat says, I just snagged the Visions Ronin novel. Phil, I think Visions might have been my favorite Star Wars content in the last I need to 15 check that years, out. possibly. Um, yeah, visions was fun. So, um, but just really quickly to close it all out, you know me, I'm Jesse. I'm the host of sudden, but inevitable. If you want to follow me on Twitter, go to at sudden, but, um, I, I'm going to implore you, please go check out a podcast called green shirt a newbies trek through the next generation. It's one of my favorite star Trek podcasts. And I think you have all heard about that plenty. Definitely go check out cheap seat reviews. I have been listening to them since I met you, Sean. I, I'm not quite at a 380 something episode listening count, but I'm at probably about a hundred. Yeah, so, no one should have um, to listen to that many episodes. It's fine. Go listen to my appearances, plural, on a Highlander podcast called Another Time McLeod. I had so much fun with the Robs talking about Highlander. And definitely go listen to a show called Esoterica Cinema because coming up on there is going to be just I have been having a conversation that is going to happen at some point on Esoterica Cinema with Jason, and I'm really excited for you to hear it, but they have a ton of good content already in their feed, so go check them out on your favorite podcasting app. Other than that, you guys, all the rest of my information is in the post-credits read, so I don't think I need to reiterate that. I am going to really quickly, though, say thank you to Callie. Thank you to Rona. Thank you to Andrew Wu. Thank you to uh, uh, Philip Krogmeyer. Thank you to Sincera. Thank you to Smallville Sky. We've had so many wonderful people in the chat tonight, you guys. I feel like I got all of you. If I didn't, please throw your name up really quickly. Isn't it getting hard to but, do this at the end now? Like... It is. It used to be it like three names. Now track. we have a lot of people to keep track of. It is wonderfully humbling. Like I, I can't. I, I yeah. love all of you guys. <laughs> to be able to illustrate found family on a show where we talk about it so much, I think really just it adds heart to our show because our show can get a little snarky sometimes. <laughs> you guys. I'm getting a little bit warm. I need to rest. I got a podcast to edit. How do you feel? What do you say we get out of here? Let's do a sign-off. For the order, let's go Sean, Ricky, Josh, and myself. So, for Sudden But Inevitable, I have been Jesse. I have been Sean. This is Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. I'm Josh. And we will see you next time, legally sanctioned interplanetary vigilante. 
Thank you for listening to Sudden But Inevitable. Follow us on Twitter at Sudden But. Find us on Instagram at Sudden But Inevitable Podcast. To get everything all in one place, go to twistmyarm.net slash SBI. And join the show live in the chat at youtube.com slash twistmyarmpodcast. Sudden But Inevitable is a Twist My Arm podcast. The views and opinions expressed on this show are held solely by those speaking them.